Hey everybody, welcome to the Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here today with Kyle Davies. You know what it is! Kyle, it's it's a weird week now because... Well, neither of us taught this weekend. We didn't teach this weekend. I know it's going to be a little bit of a different conversation, I guess. Um, rather than us teaching, it was actually our form. Oh, man, former ministry apprentice. How sad that we have to put former in front of I that. I know. Uh, yeah. So for Caleb, those, if you watch this, come back. Let's go or yeah, listen like, to this. Like, be real. Like, after you had this fun drive across the country, like, just go ahead and turn right back around. Come <laughs> out. It's all right. It's taken care of. Um, it but, is weird to put that former in there, though. I know, right? So for those of you who don't know, uh, we had a ministry apprentice, apprentice with us since September. His name was Caleb Bolton. And uh, he actually, this was his first time ever teaching. Mm-hmm. And he taught um, for us this past Sunday which was awesome, but let's just kind of take a minute. So Kyle, I'm going to kind of throw this out to you. Um, So for some of our listeners, viewers, Mm. or people who maybe uh, hadn't really interacted with Caleb much because he did a lot of stuff that was kind of behind the scenes during the week, Um, maybe just for those people, answer, who is Caleb? Uh, What role did he play? What led him to teaching this weekend? And maybe even just what's next for him? Yeah, man, that's a a lot of questions. So a couple (laughs) things. So Caleb and I go way back. So my first ministry, I was a student pastor in Lexington, Kentucky, and Caleb was one of the six students in my first youth group. So I know his uh, dad's watching right now. Oh so. wow, wow, that's 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 fun. That <laughs> that's fun because yeah. So I'm so grateful for Brian taking a chance on a young kid starting in ministry. Um, and really entrusted all his three kids to me, like because they were Luke was was in the youth group, Caleb was uh, in the youth group, and Lily was right on the verge of being in the youth group. So started out with, with yeah. six kids, and so watched Caleb really grow up through mm-hmm. middle school into high school, and uh, it was cool because this summer when the Center Point Mission Team came out to help mm-hmm. us paint and do some work around the American Legion and help us through a block party as we build up towards launch. I got in conversation with Brian about, hey, what's what's next for Caleb? And I ended up just texting Caleb and saying, hey, man, why don't you you come out for six to nine months and just hang out, help us start uh, Generations? And so he thought on it for a while and ended up saying, yeah, I'll come out for six months. And he was out here by the 1st of September. And it's been absolutely cool to just watch him just grow, develop, and change. And not everything has been, yeah. you know, roses and and good stuff. And you know, but it's it's been cool to see how God has worked in Caleb's life. So, a couple of things Caleb has done for us is every week he was responsible for uh, putting slides together for our Sunday proclaim presentations for our Sunday gatherings. He put out signs for our A frames almost each and every week. And worked on training others. Yeah. Uh, he he also worked part time at LA Fitness, and so uh, he had a lot of spiritual conversations, especially in the last yeah. two months. It's been really cool to hear him, and even shared some of that this past weekend about yeah. what God was doing in and through that. Uh, he met all kinds of people in the fall. I asked him to interview pastors and ministers and community leaders, yeah. and so he would meet with those people on behalf of generations, but also to just to learn for himself. And I would say that was the biggest thing that Caleb uh, was really we asked of him during this time frame is just to simply be a learner, 
Yeah. And to grow into a leader to the point of where, as he was doing some of these tasks, he would train others to mm. do some of these and really invite others to be a part of yeah. these teams. So he'd help us with setup and tear down yeah. and just be Mr. Reliable yeah. there. Well, I mean, so. he even helped us brainstorm some different things. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts is he would start asking some different questions because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's used to a different style of church from a very different part of the country. Uh, where we're both from. And so there's even things that we do here that's kind of different. He's like, man, like, why do you guys do it this way? And it was, I mean, it's good for us because it kind of reinforces like, all right, like, why are we doing things the way that we are? But it was even cool to see him kind of brainstorm through some of that of like, hey, have you thought about trying it like this? What if we did that instead? Yeah. And so there's some cool things that even came out of stuff like that. Yeah, and you got to know him him really pretty well. He he lived with you for the first part of his apprenticeship. I know, we both had like the bachelor lifestyle here for a little while. Um, I mean, I moved out here in August. He came a month later into an apartment in which there wasn't too much furniture, if I'm going to be real. <laughs> uh, my first week here, I slept on an air mattress. But, you know, we came here. We, we had a couch and a coffee table that we shared a lot of meals at. Um, and so that was even cool, just kind of hearing his story, kind of seeing him from when he got here in September and just mm-hmm. the change that has just kind of underwent him, which has been Do you have a favorite story about Caleb, John? I have a favorite story? Man, you're throwing me under the bus. I know. Um, Choose wisely because you get an opportunity to brag on him. There there is a story from yesterday, but we are not at liberty to share the story from yesterday. Oh, yeah. We can't can't share that yet. He'll he'll share some of that later on. I know know he'll do some of that. I, okay, yes. So one of uh, mine and Caleb's favorite thing to do is we would, maybe like once every other week, we would we would go to Killer Burger. It was kind of like our spot to go. We both loved it. Um, I mean, even when he lived here, there was a couple times like he'd be like, hey, what are you doing for dinner tonight? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. He goes, you want to go get Killer Burger? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not going to pass that up. But we were getting Killer Burger, I think it was in February. And there was such a cool moment because uh, when he came back, there was just something different about him. You could see God really beginning to reshape his life. And he even talked about this some this weekend mm-hmm. of how like he had kind of struggled to make his faith his own and moving out here. And he'd begun reading his Bible regularly, kind of making that part of his practice. And I remember we're sitting at lunch one day and he's like, dude, like he's just like, so I was reading my Bible last night and I was like, well, this is a fun conversation. He goes, I was, he goes, I was reading um, in John three, uh, John specifically John three thirty, and mm-hmm. he used it this weekend in his passage. Uh, the pa- the part where John the Baptist is like, uh, he must become greater, I must become less. And Kale's like, man, like you know, I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up at a Christian school. Like I went to church and I did the whole Christian thing. Like I, the Bible was constantly being thrown to mm-hmm. me. Uh, he goes, but I never digested that or even saw that. Uh, in the way that I just read it last night, he goes, it, it's really crazy to think like when we begin to like let Jesus have more of our life, like we begin to lessen ourselves so he can have more ownership mm. and lordship over our life. Mm. And it was just cool to see him make that, um, just make that transition and even just that thought process in his mind. Yeah. That, that was so cool to me and how he's able to not only articulate that with me, yeah. but even the people he's working with. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that almost all of my favorite Caleb stories revolves around, so I was sitting in the sauna last night. Yes. And so so if you have not heard one of Caleb's uh, sauna stories about the people he would meet and would yes. talk to, I would highly encourage you just reach out to him and say, okay, so tell me about the sauna story. Or uh, just tell me about one of the other 
stories uh, from from your time here? Because at first there was a little bit of a culture shock, but it's yeah. been cool to see him just continue to acclimate and really find his sweet spot. So again, sad to see him go, but it was really exciting to see for me to see remember him as that that middle schooler from yeah. CIY mix to then be able to stand up there and pray over him before he delivers his uh, first. Uh, teaching and he he we prepared well we went through a lot of that stuff and then to just just sit there on the front wall and watch him uh deliver it it was a it was a very exciting sunday yeah it was cool and it was fun for us because we kind of had to keep it secret for a couple weeks oh yeah because he came to us and he's like hey so like is this offer like still on the table and we're like yes yes Yes. it is and so we kind of like had to kind of keep it from other people i remember we talked very vague about like oh yeah like when we're talking through like service flow and everything, we're kind of vague, like, yeah, like we're going to do our normal like hosting and then uh, teaching time, not specifying who was doing it. And so that was even fun when he kind of put on the mic on Sunday and people were like, is, is Caleb teaching? And we're like, yes, yes, yes he is. Yes. And so it was fun. It got slipped out to a few people. I'm not going to name out who let it slip and everything, but you know, <laughs> it, it was, it was really cool just to see the reaction and yeah. just the people come around him uh, to encourage, support, and just continue to love on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and he, he kicked off a new series for us, too. And so that, that I mean, that's that's a big challenge and, and task in uh, itself. Yeah. He initiated our series in Colossians 2. We're back in Colossians mm. Substance. Yes. And so I'm really excited for this series. Um, John, I haven't told you a lot about this series, so you let me let, so let me let me ask you here on the outside. When you hear the term "substance" and associated with Colossians, is there anything that like any dots that you're like maybe these are what we're trying to connect, or like do you have a do you have a clue what we're going after here? Um, I mean, you, I'm very much of one of those people that like I love fan theory kind of thing, so I always love to speculate of like, man, like. What, what could be coming kind of thing. Like, I, I'm always the guy that's, like, looking at the upcoming movies. Like, oh, man, I want to predict the ending. I want to predict how it's going to go. And even okay. as I kind of think through this, like, it's, it was kind of neat because we went through Colossians 1, and it was all about known, how mm. God has made himself known to us. And then we took a little bit of a break and went through our Give Over Get series. And now we're coming back into Colossians, kind of picking up in the next chapter, kind of transition mm. of Paul's thoughts. And you decide to title it Substance. We'll get to that in a minute because I want to hear your reasoning behind it. But even just kind of my thought process is like, man, like now that we've been able to come uh, to this understanding of who God is, how he has made himself known to us, uh, I think it's kind of what Caleb talked about this weekend and how uh, Paul even starts off here of like this idea of rooted, of how do we take this knowledge in which we know about and and really like root it in ourselves. We get to the substance of what it means Mm -hmm. to be everyday followers of Jesus. That's kind of where my mind goes. So I'm going to pitch it right back to you. Kyle, like where are you going with this concept of substance? Yeah, absolutely. So just kind of like uh, the known series, this word substance comes right out of the, the text. And so if you go down to Colossians 2, verse 17, uh, and there's all kinds of different translations. The only one that I've seen a little difference may say reality, and so I think that gives us a little insight into this word usage here, mm-hmm. but it says, the, talk, Paul talking, he basically says, the substance is the Messiah, and so that's where this word comes out of, and so interesting. the substance is the Messiah. So Paul has transitioned from a lengthy 
introduction. Yeah, we went through all of Colossians 1 yeah. and more. Um, to getting into the details of why a solid theology of Jesus matters for the everyday things of life. And actually, when we see Jesus as the substance, or in this case it says the substance is the Messiah, mm-hmm. so that it's got the scriptural story embedded in there. It's got um, an overarching old, kind of Old Testament moving into New Testament theology. There's a, there's a lot of that coming mm-hmm. out. But basically, when the substance is the Messiah, when the substance is Jesus, the imagery is, is, a, is a science speaker. It brings change. It brings substantive change. And so, in particular, how Jesus, his pre-existence, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return counters false teaching that these Colossian believers were encountering. Mm. And actually, this this teaching isn't too far off from some of the teaching we see on social media or we hear out of the mouths of people we interact with. And so Paul doesn't want this church, the Colossian church, to be deceived by this teaching that often sounds right, Mm. but is actually contrary to the way of Jesus. And so when we're faced with challenges um, in life, Jesus is the substance that will enable us to persevere. And additionally, Jesus provides the most substantive way for living in contrast to the other worldviews of our time. So Jesus is the substance, and he provides a, a, a almost, and go back to this passage, yeah. a foundation that we can build our life on that will last. Mm. And so that's where this, this, this substance comes from. Jesus is the substance that is worth building our life around of, and also is the substance that enacts true change. So let me see if I'm hearing you right. So we're going from this concept of how, like, we love, like, coming to know God, like, of kind of looking in this world of how there's, like you talked about, like, all these different faulty maps. We find the right one, and then what is almost the layers underneath of it? Like, what comes alongside that? To basically support that map, is that yeah. where you're getting? Yeah. So, so think about this exactly. Jesus makes himself known, mm. and we have to go from knowing Jesus, knowing about Jesus, and and really saying, okay, th- that is worth orienting our life around, mm. and it changes our life, and it and it and it, and it just wreaks change, and also it, it's so substantive. It's so powerful and so persuasive when we begin to follow Jesus that it just kind of creates these these ripple effects, these waves Mm -hmm. into the world. But also when we run up against the rocks of reality, you know, to kind of continue some of the the sailing metaphor (laughs) and, and some of the maps and stuff, when we crash up against that, Jesus is the one that we can cling to. Okay. And and he hold in following Jesus in the way of Jesus and Another way to say it is Christianity has the most comprehensive and I would just say persuasive worldview in contrast to the philosophy and worldview that others may espouse. And okay. so so what we're going to really look at is how does the way of Jesus stack up against some other worldviews, some other teachings, some even just pop theology mm. that we might hear and think and and honestly get down to the to the brass tacks about. No, Jesus is, is more substantive. It's, he's something, and another way to say it would be something you can almost sink your teeth into. Okay. And rather than just, you know, kind of be tossed around. Okay. And so, 
So I, I you threw in a, a food metaphor there, something you can mm. sink your teeth into, okay. um, really chew on rather than, <laughs> than be something just light and fluffy and, and not provide mm. much nourishment. Well, it's even kind of like, almost like the illustration Paul gives. It's the moving from the milk to the meat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Jesus is that substance. And that's where, uh, when we look at this passage from this past weekend, 2, 6, and 7, there's really four almost metaphors strung together. You know, walk walk in him, be rooted and built up, and then established in the faith. Uh, and then he talks about overflowing with gratitude. I mean, yeah. th- these, these words are basically describing or painting a picture of the type of person that is connected to Jesus and experiencing change. Yeah. And he says, you know, therefore, just as you have received Christ as Lord. So when we receive Christ... We've got to continue to to walk in Him, and so it's it's a dynamic mm. movement, and it's it's a substance that keeps bringing change in our life, yeah. Rather than maybe perpetuating a status quo, mm-hmm. or once we get it, sweet, we're good, and we can kind of release and back off. But actually, gotcha. it's something we continue to re-engage with over and over and over again. Okay. So so I mean, you think about. Again, the chemical pieces there is because you think about mm. chemical change. It's something mm. that's down to the core on the on a scientific level. There's yeah. actual change. It's not something that can be reversed. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I, I see when Jesus really comes into our life and we're going to follow Him. He brings a substantive change to almost where we can't go back, and why would we want to go back? Yeah, that's. That's neat. I mean, I'm excited to see you kind of uh, where we go in this and how you kind of uh, lay some of that out. I know this weekend, uh, Caleb just kind of started with some of the yeah. almost introductory um, verses for this. And you kind of mentioned some of the big aspects of there. Mm-hmm. I think there was one that he kind of drove out in his main point. His main point being that as a young church, yes. we must continually to root ourselves in Jesus our Lord and walk in them daily as we guard ourselves against false teachings. And Kyle, you kind of mentioned some mm-hmm. of this. Uh, that that's what this whole uh, series of substance is uh, about is how are we growing in the substance? How are we kind of digging ourselves down so that when we do hear the false teacher, we hear the faulty maps in the world, are we, are we found firm in the map in which we've uh, kind of set the course mm-hmm. to? And so Caleb mentioned this word rooted. We see it here in the text. Kyle, like, what does it mean to be rooted? How, how does this apply in how we walk every day? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to mix metaphors again. Dude. I think I feel like I'm famous for that right now is just mixing metaphors. Um, so go to the image. So having roots. So if you think about roots and the explanation of that, roots provide nourishment to the plant. Hmm. It keeps the plant from being tipped over. Um, it, it, you know, when things come, you know, so you think about it, it's like if you go by a tree and try to push it over, the roots down deep, <laughs> like keep the tree from yeah. being uprooted um and so another point would be the degree of one's rootedness determines the ability to have growth and bear fruit so without deep Mm. roots and strong roots a tree would tip over yeah um a plant that grows and start to you know get more foliage uh would not be able to sustain the growth and so without deep roots without strong roots a plant or a tree would not be able to grow and grow well without the the substantive roots that enable it to grow. And so uh, without deep roots, 
a tree is not going to be able to bear lasting fruit. So again, so just some of that that picture yeah. of a metaphor. So whether you think of a tree or a plant, again, even if even if a tree was to have some growth and bear fruit, yeah. if and say an apple tree doesn't have deep roots and it's got a mm. ton of apples on it, what's going to happen? The tree is going to fall over because it can't sustain yeah. the weight of the external fruit. And so really mm. roots are are also unseen in that way. Yeah. So think about that. They're unseen. They're they provide nourishment. It keeps us from being tipped over or tossed over. And the degree by, by which we are rooted enables us to bear not just an initial layer of fruit, yeah. but but lasting but lasting change. And so so basic basically if you want positive change in your life or be able to withstand cultural changes, you have to have deep roots. Yeah. And I think just taking a, a quick poll, Caleb kind of mentioned, you know, his ability to, you know, articulate his faith, to give justification for his faith and how he's been on that journey. Yeah. There was another story that came out has kind of come out in the last couple weeks. And it's actually a deconversion story that was surfaced kind of again recently. So it's mm. these two famous YouTubers, uh, Rhett and Link. And I actually didn't know who they were before it became yeah. popularized. I'm not someone who who just honestly spends a ton of time on, on YouTube. Yeah. But but uh, you may be watching this. You may know who Rhett and Link are. You know, you search them on YouTube. And they actually basically were believers. And they were these funny guys. They were on these TVs, talk shows because of, because of their pranks and their stories and things like that. Yeah. Um, that basically came out and said we're we're not believers anymore, and so I've been researching them like crazy, watching kind of them walk through why they have stepped away from the faith. Mm. Um, and as I've researched this, as I've looked through this, and, and I'll tie it in here in a second. But there's this article on the Gospel Coalition website um, that does a good job of sizing up the story, and so I want to read some excerpts of that. Uh, really the story and yep. their deconversion. So basically a deconversion story is someone who says, I was a believer, but because of these circumstances or experiences or because this now new knowledge or way of thinking, I've stepped out of faith. Mm. And it gets all kind of buzz both in the Christian world and non-Christian world, people celebrating or critique and or blogging about it. And so yeah. here, here's what this article says. It says, since the release of their stories, several apologists and scholars have offered sound rebuttals to some of the claims made by Rhett in particular. And I imagine those types of responses will continue to roll in, as they have. And as an apologist, the, this author says, my knee-jerk reaction was to also grab my computer and start typing uh, refutations with the force of a thousand sons. But I don't think it's the actual arguments themselves people have found so persuasive. It's the people behind the arguments. The youth group kids left flustered and agitated by doubt might have been entirely perturbed had they heard those arguments from another, or been entirely unperturbed had they heard those arguments from another source. But the same time-worn skepticism the church has interacted with since its inception is given a fresh dose of potency when delivered to a whole new generation by cool and funny guys who've become a fixture of their childhood. And this mm. brings us to the salient question. How can two guys who make a living as YouTuber, YouTube personalities go from making possum corn dogs one day to throwing 2,000 years of Christian history under the bus in the 
next? Why were so many people rattled and even persuaded by them? Could it be that the cultural influences driving these deconstruction stories needs to be re-examined rather than Christianity itself? And so the author continued, After poking holes in Christianity, Rhett offered no plausible alternative to explain reality. When he jumped, to the, Christ, when he jumped the Christian ship, he didn't jump into another boat, but into a sea of uncertainty. His Christianity has been replaced with what he calls openness and curiosity. He describes how liberating it's been to let go of the appetite for certainty. To the careful observer, it's evident that Rhett has traded in one worldview for another. Christianity for postmodern, postmodernity. With all this, with all its skepticism, denial of absolutes, and relativ relativism. And so as I listened to their stories myself, and as I read like an article like that where, where the author is just kind of saying, maybe we need to take another look at what they're actually saying and, and, and take a sober look at what gets us so fired up about this is because for many, these are personalities and people who are loved and are funny and, and many yeah. have identified with and see kinship with. Yeah. But what, what I heard in their stories and even what I hear this author almost critiquing is that when we give ourselves to a system of religion unconnected and untethered to a person, we will always find flaws and loopholes that don't match up with the evolving culture and our contemporary experience. And so Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, specifically as he moves into chapter 2, is not calling the Colossian church to a system of thought. In fact, he's about to counter one. Paul is calling the Colossian church to be rooted in Jesus just as they received him. And so to, to move on to this, Jen Hatmaker kind of picks up on this openness and curiosity motif that's kind of just this this thing that we, we want to perpetuate in our age. And so in a recent article, she actually touched on this. And it was her move away from some of the status quo of Christendom. And in her article, she celebrates a deconstruction of sorts through questioning it. And honestly, I find some kind of kinship in her thinking because of our cultural moment. I'm known as a debater. My family is, is like, I like to ask questions. I like to poke holes. I like to, to kind of find, yeah. okay, where is the disconnect? And I find kinship in her line of thinking and even some of what Rhett and Link were putting out. But here's what I would come to. Is this cultural moment will pass. Mm. Times will change once again. And because the church and systems are made and created by people, we will always be able to find flaws if we're honest. So if we look at the church today, not the timeless church that's articulated in, in God's Word, yeah. but if we look at just the church that we see that we know is made up of real messy people, yeah. we will always be able to find flaws. And that's why our questioning needs to be directed at the right substance. Mm. Our church, other people, uh, a, a religious structure and system that's unconnected to the person of Jesus yeah. will not hold up under scrutiny. Mm. Jesus is the only one that will hold up under scrutiny. And so to say all that, 
as I look at Rhett and Link's story, as I look at Jen's, you know, very honest assessment of we, we need to be able to question and ask them things. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But what I think we need to, to look at is what is the object of our questioning? Yeah. Is it a structure? Is it a religious system? Or are we willing to actually go back to the source? Mm. To the substance of which our faith is built on. Yeah. And that is Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he says that in Matthew and in other places, basically saying that the declaration that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, he has come to make all things new. And so I'm not worried about being caught on the wrong side of history. As some might say, I'm more focused on the one whom all history is oriented around. Mm. And the way of Jesus and the Christian worldview is way more substantive than postmodern thought. Times will change. The way of questioning and openness and embracing uncertainty, at some point, let's just be honest, that's going to pass. But Jesus will still be there. His will and his way, Jesus will still be on the throne. And so come back to that initial question you asked is, what does it mean to be rooted and how do we root ourselves in everyday life? It means when we face times of questioning and uncertainty and we're, we're not quite sure where to get the answers, it's to go to look at Jesus, mm-hmm. come back to our Bibles and take an honest assessment. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? How did he interact with people? And allow that to shape our mode of thinking on the worldview. And then maybe we won't get Mm -hmm. caught up with some of these other questions and some of these things that actually aren't essential altogether. Because Mm -hmm. Jesus is essential. Jesus is the substance. Yeah. So almost your kind of your takeaway from this and even just kind of your rebuttal is more or less that without the right substance, we might be able to like know the right way and everything, but without the right substance, like it's so easy to kind of fall away and allow yeah. the, the other outside uh, conversations, rebuttals, arguments of the world kind of allow you to slip away if there's no substance to root you into who Jesus yeah, is. Yes, because it becomes very compelling. Mm. And I, I uh, there there's a, another just kind of article or post recently that talks about the Instagram Bible. And I know some of you are, are watching or yeah. going to listen to this via social media. Mm. But it's like it, it, it comforts but rarely convicts, you know, or it, or it, yeah. it exhorts but it, rather, but it, it rarely uh, encourages you to go deeper. Yeah. And it was, it was this really great – I wish I could remember that off the top of my head. But it was this really great line of so often we just – we fill our minds with personalities – and yeah. just kind of pop theology. Yeah. That when it runs up to our experiences and reality and then other persuasive people, yeah. We're all like, "Oh, we'll just scrap one statement for another statement that sounds right and good." And ultimately, that's where we're going to move in this series yeah. is let's come back to the way of Jesus, his pre-existence, his life, his death, resurrection and his return yeah. over and over over again so that We'll know what pop theology actually isn't good theology at all and actually what um, theology is worth holding on to um, and actually counters some of the, maybe let's just say cultural sayings of our cultural moment. 
Well, I even loved it because Caleb kind of hit on the surface of some of this. Yeah, this he did. He was talking about like, man, like I, I know who God is. I know the right church answers. He's like, I grew up in the church. I went to the Christian school. I had, he's like, his parents are pastors. Like he knows, mm-hmm. he knows who Jesus is, but it was this almost transition of knowing to the substance of he, his challenge was um, read your Bible and do what it says. He's like, because that's what I had to do. Yeah. His whole thing was like, for me to take that next step, for when he's conversing yeah. with those people who are like, well, why do you do what you do? And he goes, you know what? I've never actually been asked that. And so he's like, man, like I have to root myself in the scripture to even know what it says and then live it out. Yes. And that's where that substance comes. So you can answer those questions. This is why I do what I do. Yes. And, it, and exactly what he said. And he was like, you got to read your Bible and you got to do what it says. And that's that's all I'm saying here is 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 when we get caught up in a level of thinking and conversation and mm personality against personality who's more persuasive at the end of the day it's let's look at jesus because he will be the most persuasive against some some personality and and while it doesn't always appear that in our cultural moment it's actually jesus's way lasts it is the most persuasive and that's what Caleb got to. And his illustration was so good talking about the 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 brown bag and the oreo because it's like it, it was. It is persuasive when, when you when you look good, when you sound good, when you when you are packaged <laughs> like an Oreo. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who didn't watch, Caleb uh, up on stage for some reason when he first went up there, <coughs> he had a pack of Oreos in a brown paper bag. Yeah. And if you were like me sitting there in the room, you're like, why in the world does Caleb have? That? <laughs> is he going to get hungry and just have a snack during it? Yeah. Did he bring like a little sack lunch with him? But no, he like got to this really cool illustration where he had the Oreos, he had the brown paper bag, and he basically mm-hmm. asked, when you go to the grocery store and you're doing your shopping for the week and everything, what, what are you more inclined yeah. to get? You see the Oreos, you see a brown paper bag, what are you more inclined to pick up? Yeah. Well, the Oreos, because just look at the outside packaging yeah. of it. It's, it's meant to draw you in and go, man, that looks really good. I know something's good inside of there. And the thing about the brown yeah. paper bag is like, man, there might be something just as good inside of there, if not better but the outside look of the bag doesn't tell you that. It's yeah. almost like what we talk about, like people make the joke about don't judge a book by its cover, but so often that's what our world does. Yes. And he brought that back around to like, how are we presenting ourselves in our everyday life? He's like, on Monday, when you don't want to get out of bed and you're yep. dragging yourself to work, like, yep. are you presenting yourself in a way that people are going to go, man, I, I wonder why there's something different about them. Yeah. What you are made of, your substance will always show through. You can only hide the grease in a brown paper bag for so long before yeah. it starts to show through. Yeah. The same thing is true for, I, I think, Christian faith. Yeah. Is, is the stink will eventually show up if your substance, if the way you are living your life is not continuing to come back to Jesus again and again and again. And ultimately... If that's what you're made of, mm. it'll be the most compelling and attractive thing. You'll be double stuffed. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have that glass of milk. And yeah. it, it, you'll want to invite people to, to the party. And I loved it because he did. He, he pulled back the bag and held up the Oreos. And I'm thinking, man, it would be great. Just that, start tossing them out yeah, to yeah, the I was going to say, that, that would have been, been hilarious. And he, he did a really good job uh, of setting that up. And I think... Again, your substance will show through, and ultimately, your packaging your packaging does matter. 
but it's it's knowing that the packaging matters when it's matched up with the interior. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I just think of a think of a, a thing of Oreos that yeah. you open them up and it's like they're empty, and it's like, well, man, that looked good, but there was nothing there. Yeah, a package of Oreos is good when you see the bag of Oreos and you see the double stuff label again, double stuff guy here. Yeah, and and then you open it up and they're actually filled and they're good and you got that glass of milk and you're able to do that. And so the only way you are able to live a life that way is, as Paul says in 2.6, he reminds us, he says, therefore, as you have received Jesus, just as you have received Jesus, so walk in him. Yeah, We've got to know who Jesus is. We have to receive him. Yeah. And then we have to begin to live the way of Jesus and the everyday things of life. And mm-hmm. that will be attractive to other people. And when we get tossed up against people who want to who see that attractiveness, we have to be prepared to answer that why. So we got to know our why. We've got to be tethered to that substance. So that we're not just yeah. doing it because that's what good people do, or that's what Christians are supposed to do, yeah. but we do it because that's what Jesus would do.